Welcome to Fired Up Friday. I'm Gerard Papa, Lean Six Sigma Master Black Belt with process improvement and strategic planning ex expertise. I have over 25 years of customer service experience in the hospitality, retail, IT, and healthcare industries. I seek opportunities to tackle challenges with a focus on innovation, efficiency, and quality. I know the key to great customer service is a great process. I am passionate about customer service, and I love process improvement. But you know the old saying, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right the first time. I not only believe this, I live it and want to help industries embrace it. I will be discussing topics that fire me up. Today's topic is frustrations with the job hunting process. I am pleased to introduce uh, Dr. Sarah Papa, who happens to be my current wife, as I said last time, actually my wife of almost only 20, wife. my only wife of 25 years. Uh, I'd like Sarah to introduce herself and give a little bit of her background. Well, as Gerard said, my name is Sarah and I work in the health promotion, public health field. I have been in that field for 20 plus years. Most of my experience comes at the local public health department level, have managed lots of different programs, including tobacco control and prevention, healthy lifestyles, drug-free communities, teen pregnancy prevention, HIV AIDS awareness and education. And uh, I have a degree, two degrees in health education, including my PhD, as well as my master's is in exercise physiology. So I thought uh, <clears throat> to bring Sarah on today because she has actually a lot of experience the last five years or so. I moved out here about a year and a half out here, meaning D.C. area, uh, about a year and a half before Sarah and my kids did. And she's had a lot of experience with the job hunting process. And I thought it would be good to bring her on since she could talk a lot about her personal experience. So we're going to go through a couple of things. I want to bring up some data points first, as I usually do, and then uh, <clears throat> discuss uh, some specifics regarding some of the frustrations that we both experienced. So this is from the article, Please Hold, Hiring Process Gets Longer and Longer. According to a new study from Glassdoor Economic Research, uh, which was based on data from more than 340,000 interview reviews by job candidates on Glassdoor between 2009 and 2014, evaluated four key areas, average hiring process time in the past year, changes over time, factors that have contributed to delays, and why changes occurred. It now, <clears throat> it found out through this research, it takes 22.9 days for a candidate to progress through the hiring process in the United States. And that's an increase of more than 10 days since 2010. So in eight years, that has increased uh, by 10 days, which is unbelievable. And we'll get into some reasons why. But to me, that was just such a striking number. Uh, when uh, we talk about some of these frustrations, we're going to, again, bring about our personal experience. But we're going to focus on, I think, six what we call hiring process flaws. Uh, the first one being the foundation. And if you've gone through this process, I think you can relate. The hiring process totally insults the idea that people can learn new skills. I think if you look at a job description and how it's listed on the specifics of technical abilities or skills, and sometimes they're very narrow-minded in their scope of what they think someone can do. And we both experienced this. So Sarah, jump in. Uh, with some of the things that you've experienced with, with the 
the job, what I call the job description. Yeah, a lot of times the job description will have, and I've seen some, especially in the last few years, that are very specific in terms of the job duties that they're looking for. And so I found myself, when I look at a, at a job posting or description, and I think, oh, this job sounds really interesting, I get excited about reading it, and then I'll notice that, you know, I, there might be one or two things on the list of job duties that I haven't done, um, not to say that I couldn't do them and wouldn't, you know, enjoy learning how to do them and then, you know, perform them very well. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, that you don't get past that initial round because there might be, again, one or two things that maybe you haven't done. But again, that doesn't mean you can't do them. Right. And I think some of the things that we've talked about it from a skill set, if are you trainable, are you flexible, are you adaptable, a lot of those things they elevate the importance of. So, for example, I just I keyed on this earlier on the job description, a fast-paced environment, right? So every job has supposedly is a fast-paced environment as opposed to what we would consider a slow-paced environment because everything moves slower. We are, but no, we're fast. We're always moving and shaking. Think about it for a second. I mean, that's just one of the ways that they use to try and elevate that when they get into more specifics. They're almost making it so uh, so attractive that everyone wants to do it, and they fail to realize that maybe they're, they're missing some things that are important enough to be successful in that position, and they might miss some really good candidates as a result. So I, I thought that's always funny. So uh, the first one really kind of deals with the actual job description and that kind of foundation that we're talking about. The second one, the hiring process flaw number two, is what I call the cover your butt move. And this has a lot more to do with the inner workings of an organization and the process between operations uh, slash management and HR. And that process that they go through to post a job, to write the job description, to go through the recruiting process and things like that. And I think a lot of times there are things that are missed because either it's done in a hurried fashion and you miss some of the aspects on the job description or, or the skills and responsibilities. The HR might not completely understand what you're even looking for. So they might be looking at the wrong places uh, because there has been no communication or if there was, it wasn't, again, not comprehensive enough. And I think that leads to a lot of issues. Uh, part of HR's probably frustration, and, and I'm working with HR in the past on, on process improvement projects, is they don't feel that they're empowered to do something. So they're doing something that they're asked to do, but then they don't give, they're not given all the elements to do it and it makes it it makes it difficult for them to be successful so i think this inner working of the process between departments and the discussion and communication between both parties has to happen um and again sarah has been and both sarah and i both have actually had employees uh, so that we've had to go through this process. And some of the things that stand out for you are what? Well, I was just going to say, a lot of times HR, you know, they, they do have to cover their butt. And so, it, you know, it's HR's job to sort of keep that hiring process legal, uh, which I understand. But right. then again, um, there's some miscommunication that happens or things are lost or missed. And then, you know, the, unfortunately, the end result is you, end, you might end up missing some really good candidates. Yeah. And if you notice, there's going to be a theme throughout this. And we're going to talk about this process really hurting the organization in the long run because they're missing candidates and they might be missing a really good candidate or missing the best person for that job. And you'll hear us say that because it's true. And any successful process, um, if it's not meeting those needs, you're going to miss out. And here it's getting the best candidate for the job. 
the organization, I think, sometimes doesn't realize, you know, what's at stake. They might say they do, but in the end, if they keep redoing this process, they're they're creating a lot of waste and cost. Uh, the third one, and probably the most significant change that uh, that we both have experienced, is this technology side of it now, where you go to a website, you have to create a username and a password, and then you have to do a data dump. So you you upload, upload your, your resume, resume, right? And then it populates fields, and then you notice that the fields aren't always accurate, and then you have to redo them, and then I think... A lot of times you have to go in and enter the information. It, it might upload some of the information from your resume, but a lot of times you have to like go in and, and retype in or cut, copy and paste like the actual job duties, you know, and, the, the biggest part of your resume. Exactly. And one of the other things too, if you notice, if you had multiple jobs at one organization, I was at a, at a, a Siemens uh, and they, I had three different jobs there. And so sometimes it splits it out and doesn't bring all the information over. It just becomes such a hassle and uh, it's a deterrent, actually, because people are going to be jumping ship, and I don't think they don't think they measure even measure what what's happening for abandonment rate on yeah. on that process. I think some some companies unfortunately use that sort of as a weed out process, and right. I get it. They're like, well, if you got frustrated in our job trying to apply for a job here, then we're just going to weed you out. When again, they could be missing out on some really good candidates because they're like, if this is the application process, I right. don't want to work here. Right. And think about it. This is a customer, a possible customer. And even if they didn't get this job, it might give you a, a very poor indicator of what type of organization that is. You might not even want to do business with that organization if you come across it again. So there are a lot of things that are riding on this. And one of the things I talked briefly about is this abandonment rate. Uh, E-commerce sites look at that. How many people started a process and then jump ship? And I'm not sure if they even if they're even looking at that. And Sarah said this. It, it might be a filter. Says, well, you know, if you, we're going to filter you out because you're not going to put the time in and energy, so we'll know right away you're not the right person. But I think there's a better way, and I think this is probably the most disappointing aspect of it because people think if they automate something, if they make something electronic, it's going to improve the process. And I would argue that here it hasn't. And always remember, and something I've learned over my years in in process improvement is automation does not make the process better. Don't ever assume that. If you have a broken process and you automate it, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to work, especially if you complicate it, which in, in these examples, it's basically been complicated so uh, I'm very sensitive to that and I think uh, organizations need to do a better job of of really looking at that uh, process so if uh, you have anything to add to that point mm -hmm. all right so if we go to the hiring process flaw number four which is the interview and our again favorite. our favorite another another one favorite these probably back to back are our favorites because they put you on almost this you're on you're going and uh in front of Congress uh, for, to testify. for to testify for an oversight <laughs> committee for something uh, that they think you might have been involved in. I mean, that's how it feels because you do these panel interviews now where there might be five or six people on one side of the table and then you're sitting there and you're in a position where you almost have to defend yourself. And it's it's not it's not an, it's not an engagement process. No, or, you, you or almost feel like you almost feel like you're an front of a firing range right. and a lot of times and you know part of it is because they have to treat all candidates equally and I understand that but they 
you know, when you walk in there and you sit down, you're facing four or five or six people and they're just stone-faced and they don't even smile at you. They don't even say hello. Um, you just sit down and they'll, you know, start hammering the questions at you. It's it's just a very unpleasant situation. And there is there's studies out there that says also that when um, you're being interviewed, the person who's interviewing usually has come to a conclusion very quickly into the interview and that might be by your first few responses or your non-visual non appearance your, your appearance uh your body language body language things like that non-verbal cues and so they're just asking you questions that are already going to confirm their belief and that might not necessarily be good uh because it's again it's already narrowing down uh a belief in a process system already uh, the other thing I find interesting is is when they bring you for an interview and they ask you questions on stuff that's pretty clear, uh, clearly stated on your resume, and they ask you these questions where they already know the answer. It's like, well, you only have 10 years of experience, and we're looking for 15 years of experience. And I've been in an interview before where they called me, and they asked me if I had done uh, a few different tasks, and it was clear that I had never done it. And they were, okay, well, thank you. And I just wasted an hour right. of their time and my time. And actually one of the interviewers were, were calling in from, from vacation. So I just didn't understand that. You know, it's, these are things that are pretty clear. Yes. They interviewed me. Should I be happy? But we talked about this filter. Those are one of the things that either cut it off or bring me in and say, okay, how would you handle this? Or how would you learn and adapt? Which I think is, they never asked me if I could learn it. And what they were asking me to do is I'm pretty sure that I could have picked it up. And again, it wasn't anything earth shattering. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, asked to, to do, uh, to conduct brain surgery. So right. I think, again, this is kind of an organization trying to elevate their importance and elevate this position to make it sound like, oh my God, do you know how lucky you're going to be if you get this? And I, I that gets a little out of control for for me. Yeah, uh, and it's, you know, you always have to wonder why they're asking you questions that, A, could be answered just by reading your resume, or they're asking you questions that, you know, really don't have anything to do with the job function. Um, it's, you, you can never figure it out. Or at least elaborate. Say, I noticed you don't have this kind of experience. Uh, are you willing to learn this? And how quickly do you think you would be picking this up? I would be okay with that. But it was almost like, oh yeah, you can't do this, so we have to move on. And you know, that's that's a that's a little unnecessary. Uh, the other thing uh, that I always find again fascinating is is that they they know that they have the leverage and they have the upper hand because you're the one who doesn't have a job or you're the one who's trying to get a new job, and they play up to that too. So they understand that they're in the power seat, so to speak. And you kind of leave there feeling like a loser uh, because it's like, oh, well, we're doing you a favor and we're helping you yeah. out. And The process can be very demeaning. And I, over the years, I feel like it's that is even getting worse because when I think about some of the things that I've done over the last few years, um, you, you absolutely feel like you almost feel like you're groveling to them, to begging them to give you this job. And it's like, you know, it should be more of a two-way street where they're interviewing you, but you should also be asking them some questions. And... Keep in mind, too, I mean, this whole process is a two-way street. It's yeah. not a one-way street. So if you're going through this process and you go out of your way to thank everyone that you just interviewed with, then I think it's reasonable to think that they could probably respond 
and maybe at the end, if you're rejected, at least give you a rejection notice of some sort or an email. Some places do and some places don't. And then we're sitting there or you're sitting there waiting to hear back from them. And that position, as far as you're concerned, is still open. Now, there are, again, once you log in, some systems will tell you where you are in the process. But I think that they could do that and reach out because it's always seen as a one-sided. And to me, this is a two-sided process because you are bringing something to the table. They're not giving, it's not charity work. So I think that needs to, that aspect of it needs to be reviewed and organizations need to start taking a hard look at that process. Well, and you, when you and I were talking about that earlier, you mentioned that, you know, organizations could send you a thank you note. I mean, it's, it's standard for the yes. interviewer, interviewee to say, oh, thank you for the interview. But I've never received an email that says, hey, thank you for coming in. We're, you know, we enjoyed meeting with you. Uh, we have a few more interviews to do. We'll keep you posted. Yes. I mean, why not thank the person for coming in? Exactly. Exactly. And remember, everyone always states how busy they are. Everyone is busy. No one is busier than someone else. As much as we like to think that we're special and that we're always busier than someone else, that's not the case. I even I stated that in my last podcast. Uh, it's just as easy for them to send you an email as it is for you and vice versa. So I think, again, I think there could be more insight uh, and focus on that part of the process. Uh, the next flaw is a lack of science. And if you heard my first podcast, uh, this is something dear to my heart when we're talking about scientists not using science, right? And here, we're, we don't have, at least I don't, and, and unless someone can correct me, if they're really actually pulling data, if they're data points that they can pull along this process to see how it's performing, do they know where these gaps are? Do they know um, that this process is cumbersome? Are they interviewing people through this process and asking these questions? So are you more talking about the um, the computer companies, the software design, or the actual company doing the hiring? I'm talking about the people who are doing the hiring. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, if you, and if you look at that, when you're not using that, do you have – what variables are you looking at? Are you tracking those? What the metrics are? Do you have a measurement system? And if so, are you looking at data? Are you analyzing it? Because I would, I would think if this process expanded by 10 days in the last eight years, you're not looking at data because these metrics should be reviewed and this process should be tweaked and looking at what things can I do. Not only the personal aspect of it, you know, how you're treated, uh, but the actual process itself and those points along the way that need to be reviewed and to be looked at how you tweak it and make it better. Because, again, if you're cutting time down, everyone's going to benefit because you're going to save money. The longer the process, the more costly the process is. Mm -hmm, uh, and that's you know, a basic lean concept. If you can take a process from five steps to three steps, you're going to remove two steps, which is going to shorten the time, and you're going to remove two possible defect opportunities and, and save money and save money you're going to be more efficient so that plays a lot so I, I'm always going to stress this point you've got to look at variables you got to look at metrics and then you got to look at it and analyze it and then do something with it so the last flaw is once you're hired what happens and I think this is becoming more and more apparent because I think organizations are are putting more emphasis on this but what happens on the onboarding process? I mean, how many times and how many jobs have you started where you've had everything you needed the first day or the first week? Did you have your computer? Did you have network access? Did you have all the software that you asked for? Very rarely. Did you have a phone, by the way, mm. which is – That you which, could get into. That you could get into. 
or that you could make a call out of. Yeah. And I think a lot of those things don't happen. And you got to ask yourself why. And if they're not happening, how does that reflect on the organization? I think we put a lot of emphasis on making sure that people understand the mission and the vision and the values and the culture and the resources available to them. But are they in their job ready to go on that first day? And do they have all the things that they need to do that? And I, I've been working with IT the last 15 years, and a lot of times IT is told in the last minute to, to get a computer set up and a phone set up uh, with less than 24-hour notice, and a lot of times it doesn't happen. And so that communication, just as I said earlier, between operations management and HR, I don't think it's happening between operations management, HR, and IT. There's probably three different systems. Do those systems talk to each other? Is data transferable? And if not, what's the follow-up process? And how do you make sure that those things take place in a seamless fashion? Because that is a very poor reflection of the organization, especially if you went through all these problems and frustrations to begin with, and then you're hired and it continues. It just doesn't bode well for the reputation of the organization. Well, and like you said, it's mostly just communication between the departments and making sure that, you know, that that when that person does come on board, that they have everything they need to hit the ground running so that, again, money's not being wasted. Right. And you're starting and you can't do anything for a week because you don't have a computer. I'm sure they I'm sure they didn't build that into the cost. Right. You're a very expensive resource sitting in your office uh, making post-it notes because it's the only thing you have. <laughs> so uh, the Society for Human Resource Management has some guidelines for rec- recruiting effectiveness and some of the things that we've kind of touched on already. But I'm just going to kind of go down this list brand. So I think having a brand communicating that brand so that it's understood as you as you um, go through this process. Uh, most of the things that I've read recently, now we're focusing on personal brands and what's your personal brand. You know, organizations have always built their uh, legacy on their brand. And I think now there's a personal brand, a personal marketing brand, and I think they go hand in hand in understanding both of those so that they are aligned, especially if you're going to get hired and be in that organization. Well, and what we said earlier, we are talking about that interview being a two-way street. It's not just the company choosing you. Right. Um, you know, think about it as you also choosing the company. Yeah, and when we were talking about the interview process, you know, going in there and being prepared, having having information on the organization, having information on on the position and where it will be in five years. A lot of the people that I've worked with, and I think, I think this is one place where people have become a lot more savvy. They do because of the internet. They do a lot of research. Right. Most people I know that have gone through this process spend uh, a good amount of time doing some research and background to understand what they're getting into. So they're actually asking good questions right. and, and getting some information because you should be doing that as well. Uh, so that's important. They, they use realistic profiles in the job descriptions. You know, th- this drives me crazy because, again, <laughs> it's like they're making out this position to be king of the world, right? And it's so great. You're, oh, my God, it's the best thing in the world. And they're always they're always accusing uh, people of elevating or exaggerating their, their resume. Well, you're doing the same thing on the job description. So you can't yell at someone for exaggerating on their resume when they're trying to compete against you exaggerating on your job description or they they don't add some things that you're going to be doing right. and they just magically appear 
you know, three weeks or four weeks into your job because it was like, oh, and other duties, right? Which is half the stuff that you're doing, which, which I again find uh, extremely fascinating. Uh, automate and innovate, and I would put those together. Um, automate again doesn't necessarily solve a problem, but where you can automate if you have a strong and and efficient process, do and then innovate. We have listed many things in this podcast where there are opportunities for innovation, and I would take a hard really hard look at that and make sure that those are things that you kind of focus on. Uh, innovation is always in the in the forefront of, of being successful as an organization. Uh, something Sarah and I have touched on, I think you've heard this, but the interaction. So show genuine interest in the job seekers. I like your, ex- your example of emailing back and thanking the candidate for doing that. And of course, there's always multiple candidates, but there's it, not more usually there's not, not more, more than th- three or four come in for there's an not interview. more than three or four for an interview so they could That's they right. could do that right. treat them like they're a valued prospective employee if this was a consumer right. customer like relationship customer, right think about how you would do this if you were treated this way in in a restaurant or a movie theater uh, how you would feel I, we just kind of dismiss it as no big deal but it, it really is and and I don't think enough thought goes into it and it's a way of showing the you know, your t- top few j- potential job candidates that you are interested in them and you care about them and you are and you are thankful that they took the time to come in and interview. And and it's respect, right? It's respect. Well, yeah, that too. You're being respectful. So uh, promote, adapt, champion diversity, be judicious, and be vigilant. Uh, and I think all those things go hand in hand with a good process, right? You know, adapting uh, to this, the changes in the marketplace and they're fastly growing. We, uh, both have learned, uh, Sarah and I both have learned how important networking is and it's Mm -hmm. not what you know, but who you know and utilizing that. And I think the marketplace has adapted. LinkedIn has, has played such an important role in that now that it's almost paramount that you meet with multiple people that might know someone in that organization mm-hmm. because they might give you an in that you didn't know before. It could be someone, anyone in that organization that might be able to give you kind of a some insight into what's going on. Yeah, and I mean, that, that can't be said enough times, which is, you know, they you, you always hear that saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on where you are in life, um, when you're looking for a job, it is, it's crucial. And one example is, is that when Sarah applied to a, a position uh, a couple years ago, uh, she was rejected. And I also, at the same time, gave it to someone I knew who was working in that organization. And he gave it to the hiring manager and they brought her in for an interview. And she never made it through the filtering process. And when the, when the uh, hiring manager saw her resume, she was really impressed and brought her in for an interview. Well, the only reason why that happened was because I knew someone. So she had gone through the electronic process and was rejected mm-hmm. and only got through because I knew so, someone. And I'm sure this happens every day. Absolutely. And I, it's important. Uh, so in a wrap up, is there anything else that you think that no, we need I to No, I just know? think, you know, I, you mentioned the word respect when we were talking about interaction and showing genuine interest in job seekers. And actually this entire list, I think you could kind of boil it down to right. being respectful, both wh- whichever side of the, that big table you're sitting on is be respectful of the other side. Yeah, and I think that's a great point. So lastly, I believe that curiosity plus energy times passion equals results. 
I have practical experience working in a variety of industries, including IT, healthcare, and hospitality, which equips me with a unique vantage point or perspective. I can help you unlock your organization's potential to implement the right solution. So ask yourself, what are your pain points? Are you willing to do something different? And are you committed to change? What are your customers saying? And I would love to hear your feedback, um, both on the content and to these questions. So providing data-driven analytics to determine the root cause of any issue, I can assist in answering these questions. So please check out the website at www.dynamicrg.com and at Twitter at drginfo. And always remember and never forget, as Rush from the song Grand Design stated, so much style without substance, so much stuff without style. It's hard to recognize the real thing. It, come all, it comes along once in a while. Thank you. Take care.